Welcome to the Biodiversity Podcast, an oasis of thought giving space and time to the matters of life around us and how we can support it. Together, we will dive into different topics of biodiversity and hopefully fill your tool belt with the knowledge to make a small difference yourself. Hi, everyone, and thank you for joining us for yet another exciting episode of the Biodiversity Podcast. Before we dive into today's topic, Flowering Giants, the podcast team here, i.e. my colleague and producer Boncho, and I would like to ask you for your honest requests and questions. We love cooperating and connecting with all of you, so please don't hold back. Leave your comments here on the podcast feed or write to us privately on the email listed in the description bar. Without further ado, Let's get into today's topic, a deep dive into the world of flowering trees and shrubs. These giants are great assets to our ecosystem. There are many flowering plants all around. There is perennials, seed plants, and bulbs that all have different flowering seasons and attributes. Flowering trees and shrubs complement these. The power of these flowering giants is that many of them flower early and are indigenous here in Denmark, which means that they have a close biological relationship with many insects, fungi, and algae. The beneficial biological relationship takes tens of years to develop. The first 25 years of a tree's life is spent growing and establishing its roots. The tree unfolds its full biodiverse potential after it is fully established. This is of course seen from the perspective of contribution to insect life. In general, when we talk about ecosystem services, every plant counts. Another 25 to 50 years of life will pass before the tree becomes a host plant for other faunal interactions. The insects that only live off of the flowers on certain trees will be able to create their companionship a lot earlier. Some of our early flowering trees and bushes are very unique specifically because they have this feature of flowering early. In the northern regions of Europe, we typically have wet, cold winters with little to no food to forage. Then, in early spring, trees like bird cherry, prunus avium, and blackthorn prunus pinosa blossom before they even unfold their leaves. The bird cherry and blackthorn do this as a way of ensuring survival. They flower early and without the distraction of green leaves, they attract as many pollinators as possible. This is a symbiotic relationship. The pollinators get nectar and the tree gets a highly efficient pollen spread and can thus secure the survival of the species. Other than this symbiotic relationship, the trees will with time become an important link in the faunal interactions. The blackthorn has, for instance, over 100 insect and fungi species living off of it. Faunal interactions are a natural part of ecosystems, and a diversity of interactions is just what we want. This makes an ecosystem multi-diverse and helps keep it healthy and competitive. Faunal interactions are, of course, not only specific to our flowering giants, but crisscross between different species for different purposes within the ecosystem. 
And because we would like to preserve the important faunal interactions, we will need to pick our plants due to their indigenous status. Here, where we are stationed in Denmark, those trees would be birch, oak, beech, and linden, to name a few. A coniferous counterpart will be the forest pine. Let us take the great British oak as an example. The Quirkus robur. Even though we refer to it as British oak, it is actually indigenous to the Danish countryside. A recent study from the Aarhus University has listed Quirkus robur as a key species of Danish nature. But what is a key species? Certain species are not only indigenous, but invaluable considering the number of faunal interactions they can support. The great oak is basically an ecosystem of its own right. To quote the study I mentioned, it can interact with thousands of species consisting of butterflies, beetles, heteropterus, fungi, algae, and lichens. Now, the fact that I mentioned native species is no coincidence. There are lots of other shrubs and trees that flower early but are too new to our fauna for any real interactions to take place. We have non-native early flowering trees like magnolia and the Japanese cherry blossom, which are beautiful and gracious in the early spring, but unfortunately without much interactive biodiverse value. In the same line of thought, when we mention flowering giants, we can't exclude eucalyptus regnans the mountain ash. Even though one might be tempted to use this majestic beast in Europe, its biodiverse value is probably best served in native Australia. Here is a good rule to consider when deciding what plant to use for your project or hobby. Have a look at the research in native and key species in your area before you choose. There is nothing wrong with a little exotic presence, but making nature natural is beneficial to us all. And that, dear listener, is all for today. I would like to inform you that we are taking a summer hiatus until the beginning of September, where we will have a diverse and exciting bunch of people, experts in their field, joining us right here in the studio. Stay tuned for that and much more content from us. If you have any feedback or questions, please write them in the comment box right here on the podcast or to the email listed in the information bar. We really enjoy hearing from you. Wishing you a great summer, stay curious, and stay well. This is your host, Zoe, creating and broadcasting from our vocational center, Green Academy in Aarhus. Until next time. You've been listening to another edition of the Biodiversity Podcast. This program is supported by Green Academy Aarhus. Join us next time and remember you are already a part of the change we all need.